Well, what a blessing to see you here tonight. Thank you for those who are now tuning in with us. Take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 6, please. Ephesians chapter 6. So we're approaching the end of our study through this epistle. I suspect we'll only have one or two lessons left. And we should finish right around the beginning of our 41st anniversary day celebration. Amen. And that'll also be our third Black Hills Jubilee. And I'm excited. I can't wait for Pastor Perkins to be here with us. Please take the time to be off to be here. He's my former pastor, and you will be blessed, I'm telling you, to be able to sit under his preaching for a few nights. Listen, it's all about your attitude going into any meeting. It's what you make of it. When we were in the military, they'd always say the assignment's what you make of it. That's true. And it's going to be what you decide to make it. If you make this meeting a priority, and if you are excited about it, it'll be a great time, it'll be a help to you, but if you decide that it's going to be drudgery just to be here, then you'll drag in with a poor attitude, and you may not be blessed, if you attend at all. And so I really want you here, and and listen, I'm trying to be very conscious of the time that we take away on the schedule. I always want to make sure you have time for your family. I don't want to overload our church calendar, and I want to be sure that all that comes along with life, we're taking that into consideration. But this is pretty interesting as I was thinking about this. There are only two times a year which make up a total of nine days. Of those nine days, only six are days outside of our regularly scheduled church services. And out of those six days, only one is necessary to take off of if you don't work nights or weekends. Out of the whole year. That's not too much to ask. I know some people are like, well, you should never have to ask your people to be there. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do. I'm just asking you to be there. Um, And listen, you'd have to agree, that's not too much. And it's family camp anniversary days. That's when I ask you, take the time off, be here. And um, rearrange your schedule if you need to. Make it a priority. Now, don't be mad if I had a missions conference at some point down the road. But listen, it's all about what's important to you. It's amazing. Some will get up before the sunrise after a long work week to go hunting or fishing, but then talk about how they're too tired to be in church. It's amazing how some will stay up all night and into the morning Black Friday shopping And then talk about how they're too tired to be in church. But I like to go hunting and fishing. I do too. Well, I like to stand in lines in the cold weather with hot chocolate to get a good deal. Who are you looking for? Is that your Black Friday mate? Uh, I know they'll be out there. Um, You say, I like doing that. I know. You make time for what you want to do. And so there's nothing wrong with standing in line with hot chocolate waiting to get a good deal. And I'm I'm not going to do it. I could care less, amen. I'd rather pay full price and avoid people. (laughs) Just the way I roll. Amen. But wouldn't it be great if we said, you know what, I love going to church to hear preaching and singing and have fellowship with the brethren. And listen, I understand things come up, life happens, right? There's emergencies and all the rest, and we'll deal with that. But let me finish this advertisement by asking you to pray for four things as we go into anniversary days. These are in no particular order. But would you pray for the services? 
pray for the Holy Spirit to be here. Listen, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Pray for the preaching, the singing, the specials, and all that goes along with the church service. The altar call. Number two, pray for the preacher. Pray that God will anoint Pastor Perkins with power from on high. Number three, I'd say pray for the weather. Pray that there'll be no major snowstorms that would hinder road conditions, that would hinder people from getting in. Hey, last week, I'm praying every anniversary days is like last year. I mean, that was perfect. It was like 50s every day, and, you know, it was wonderful. So just pray for good weather. And then the fourth thing I'd ask you to pray for, please, is pray for the health of our church. Pray for the health of our church. I don't want another outbreak to tear through during a special meeting. And we kind of saw that right before family camp. And it was good that everybody was coming out of quarantine right then. But some people still couldn't be there because they were still quarantined. And so pray for health. Our virus numbers are still ticking upwards. And so just pray for that, would you please? I want to see max participation, max attendance. And, and listen, by the way, this is hard for me to explain but your attendance will be an encouragement to the pastors who are going to show up. And like I said, it's hard for me to explain that. We're going to have some pastors. They've already made reservations. We've already got their hotel room set up for them. We're going to cover that as a church. We just want to be a blessing to them. And when, I went, when my wife and I went to the West Virginia Jubilee in 2017, I left there just so encouraged. There was 1,300 people there on Monday night. And what it does is it just you kind of walk away from that going... If God can do that there, He can do that here. And so if you're here and you're excited, it's going to be an encouragement to the pastors that are here. And they'll just leave here energized. It's hard to explain, but that's just how it is. And so I think in that meeting, there was over 200 pastors that had showed up in three days. And so I was surprised. There were some from different, uh, different stripes even. But hey, they got good preaching while they were there. Amen. Maybe they converted from Church of God to Baptist. I don't know. Um, so anyway... Please be here. Let's make it a great meeting. And then I want to keep building this year after year. All right, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's begin tonight by reading verses 19 through 21. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And let's just stop there. We've already taken a couple of weeks to study verse 19. And as we get further into verse 20, some of those thoughts we talked about in verse 19 will be reapplied in verse 20. You can see some of the similar language there. And last week we considered why Paul was in bonds, why he was imprisoned, and how it was God who led him to Rome. And we looked at how God's will is brought about in his life in taking him to Rome and really just kind of applied that to us and how God brings His will about in our lives. And if God's doing something in your life and you sense that God's got something, a different direction for you or whatever, listen to last week's sermon and it'll be a help to you. And, and God was uh, leading Paul along and God is always leading His children along. Amen. God leads His dear children along. And thank God for that. And, and so just stay with it. Stay faithful. Let Him work according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself. Let Him have His way with your life. God will work out the details. I can tell you from my own personal experience, He will work it all out. You just have to let Him work. And now for tonight, I would like to begin by considering Paul's statement that he was an ambassador. 
And being in prison didn't change this fact for Paul because he understood that in every lot he found himself in in life, it didn't change what he was called to be in Christ. This is the same call that every child of God has upon their life. And while last week may have been more for a select few, tonight is for all of us. We're all called to be ambassadors in Christ. No matter where we're at in our station in life, that's what we're to do. For Paul, as he took his journey to Rome, it meant that he would be an ambassador while being imprisoned. And as he's writing this epistle, he's under house arrest in Rome. But none of this deterred Paul from his assignment as an ambassador of Christ. I don't think any of us want to be an ambassador in jail tonight. I'm okay if I never go to jail, just so you know. I think we would stand for our faith if it came to that, but I don't think any of us wanted to come to that. And guess what? Paul didn't want that for people either. When he stood before King Agrippa, King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And then Paul replied to King Agrippa and said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And he understood that having freedom is what we would all want when we're trying to give the gospel. But of course, God was working in his life to send him through the prison system to reach people there. As we saw, he, was, he said, hey, all the saints in Caesar's household greet them. And so he was reaching people along the way. And, and so we just have to just trust how God will work in our lives, whether that be going to jail or not. Whatever the extreme circumstance is that we don't want to be in, we have to trust that God is using that uh, for us, for our good and for His glory. And what made Paul aware that he was an ambassador in bonds physically was that he understood he was an ambassador in bonds spiritually. And that's what I want us to get as we kind of dig into this a little bit. It's likely for the foreseeable future that you and I will not be imprisoned for our faith. That may change. But we are already in bonds to Christ spiritually. Would you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6? And we'll look at a passage there and then we'll look at chapter 7. You can hold your place in Ephesians as you want. We'll eventually go back there. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, very familiar passage here. Look at verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, we are not our own tonight. Amen. Amen. We are purchased. We are bought with a price. We have been purchased by Christ from off the slave market of sin. And sin no longer has to reign in our life. We are now owned by Christ. We are no longer a slave to sin, but Christ is now our master. Look at chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. 21 through 23. He says, Art thou called to be a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. You see, in those days, much of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves whether voluntary or involuntary. And of course, we may say a bond servant. And that's how many of these people were living. 
And somebody was over them. Somebody owned them in many cases. And a servant would obviously be in subjection to his master. And what Paul is saying here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, are you in Christ? And are you owned by another? Don't worry about it. He says, it's not a big deal. But then he says, if you can live free, you want to do this rather. If you can be free, be free. But then he says, just to make sure we're all clear on what's going on, he says, even those who are free are Christ's servants. So it doesn't matter whether you are are bound to somebody physically in some sort of uh, bond slave situation, or if you're free... Either way, you're a bond slave to Christ. You're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so whether you're physically free or enslaved, you've been bought. Christ owns you. He owns you. He owns your life. A bond servant had no right to leave his place because he was owned by another. And having been bought by Christ, we have no right to leave our master for another. We are to live a life of servitude to our Lord. We are bondservants to our Master. These men in the early church understood what they were in Christ. They understood that they were bondservants of Christ. That's what that word servant means. It means to be a slave, a bondservant. And they understood that their life wasn't their own. And I believe this is why they were so effective. They sold out for Christ because Christ owned every bit of them. They knew they were servants. In Romans 1.1, Paul says, a servant of Jesus Christ. In Philippians 1.1, he says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. In Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God. In James 1.1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. In Jude 1.1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. They were saying, I am a slave to Christ. I am owned by Him. He can do with me as He sees fit. So the question at this point is, are you a servant to Christ? Or have you run away? Maybe you're contemplating running away. Matthew 6, 24 says, No man can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. In Galatians 1.10, it says, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If I'm all about pleasing myself and others and Christ is not in the picture and I could care less about the things of God or maybe church just kind of makes this rotation once a week as it comes into view. Oh, And, and that's how I'm living my life. It says you, you cannot be the servant of Christ. You're, you're not being owned by Him. You're not being His bond slave. And so which master are you serving tonight? You're going to hold to one or the other. This is why we see some come in here for a short period and then they go back out. Listen, that breaks my heart. Because we invest in them and we pour our life into them and and then they leave us. But Why? Because you can only hold to one. And eventually one's going to win out. And so we we have to choose who we're going to serve. You're going to love one over the other. And so what's it going to be in your life? Now, once we understand that we are bought with a price, 
and therefore a servant of Christ spiritually in bonds to him, then how are we supposed to serve? Well, back in our text in Ephesians 6.20, Paul said, For which I am an ambassador in bonds. So what is an ambassador? Because that's how we're supposed to serve, apparently. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. Well, when I need to know something, I do a Google search. That's good and bad, I guess. Here's what it said. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Next, it defines an ambassador as a person who acts as a representative or promoter of a specified activity. I also found this. In the strictest sense, U.S. ambassadors represent the President of the United States in an official capacity in foreign nations and communities. I thought, well, that's good. So I went to Webster's 1828 Dictionary and got Noah's opinion. He defines ambassador this way, a minister of the highest rank employed by one prince or state at the court of another to manage the public concerns of his own prince or state and representing the power and dignity of his sovereign. So I don't know if you caught that in all that, but all of them had one thing in common, and it's this, you're a representative. We are representatives of Christ, and we are assigned to a foreign field. Amen? We are representing the head of another country. You see, an ambassador resides in another country while they retain their citizenship in their home country. And while they're there, they're representing the one who sent them and they're promoting his interest. They don't speak for themselves. In fact, they're not permitted to do so. They do as they are told. They speak what they have been commanded. That is their duty. They have to do that. In fact, they, make it, they give an oath. And likewise, as children of God, we are now representatives of our King. We are sent from a heavenly nation. We are ambassadors of Christ for the Kingdom of God. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We are, we who were once aliens, we are now a heavenly nation. We've been made fellow citizens. We are no longer strangers and foreigners. And what's interesting about that word fellow citizen, it means the native, a native of the same town. Listen, we're all sent from the same place. Hey, man. We got, listen, we've been assembled from all over, right? America and all the rest. But we got people serving in Mexico. We have people serving in, in Texas. We, listen, but we're all sent from the same place. We're all sent by the same King. We're all representing the same message. And so in Christ, we're all sent out. In Philippians 3.20, it says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word conversation is the only time it's used there, that Greek word, it means that that is our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are, listen, we're no longer strangers and foreigners to heaven, amen. But we are now strangers and foreigners and pilgrims upon this earth. And as ambassadors, we are not to speak our opinions on the message we receive. But we are to proclaim what our King has said in His Word. 
We're stationed here. If we can put it that way. We're on orders. This is where God has chosen for us to be. He's assembled us together here. We're stationed in this world by our sovereign for one primary purpose, and that is to represent Him, to do His will, and to make His message known. An ambassador is in the place of their king or president. And when an ambassador speaks, it's supposed to be as if the president's there speaking. We have a lot of military members here, a lot of veterans. You understand this principle. This is how it's supposed to work in the military. There's a chain of command. And as an order is given from the top, it makes its way down the chain. And for each one who is descending in rank, who is echoing the command of the base commander, it's supposed to be as if the one giving the command, it's just as if the base commander is there giving it. I've seen many ways where that's been messed up in the military. And I don't know if the Lord's telling me to go in this direction or not, but I'll just break away from my notes for a minute. I'll tell you what complicates it is people get the order from on top and they try to say, no, 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 I know a better way. Well, you may not have all the information. And see, what we tend to do sometimes is we, we can put our foot in our mouth when we're trying to help somebody when really we don't have the, we don't have the big picture. So we've got to be careful. Or sometimes somebody just kind of gets snarky about it. Well... There's a chain of command. Why? Because the commander can't be in every place physically at one time. And right now, though God is omnipresent, He has chosen not to be everywhere physically. Jesus Christ is no longer walking the earth. God in the flesh has ascended up to heaven. And so Christ established His church that we might echo the command of our King. What the sovereign speaks, we speak. We don't get caught up in the side issues. We don't get caught up in those little areas that the lost are going to try to get you caught up in when you're witnessing to them. Well, can you tell me what happens to the tribesman in Brazil who's never heard? I'm talking to you. Right? We don't get caught up in these. Why? Because we're just focused on what the king has for us to do. And we just want to be faithful to give that. So what he speaks, we speak. Where he sends, we go. And we stand upon the wall, whatever country, whatever city, whatever town that we're assigned in. Right now, for most of us, that's Rapid City, South Dakota. We're on the wall. We're to be witnesses. We're to be telling people. We're to be warning them of the danger to come. All these things that come into being a a witness on the wall. And, And listen, while serving as ambassadors, living in a foreign land, the one who's serving over there, when you go to the building, there's an American flag. They're working under that banner. And that flag says, I I'm listen, I'm just here. I'm just sojourning here. That's the country I'm from. That's who I represent. That's where my allegiance lies. And as as ambassadors for Christ, while we're living in this life below, we're working under the blood-stained banner of Christ. And that identifies who we are. That's where our allegiance lies. And this is our little embassy right here. This is our little footprint in Rapid City. 
I hope it becomes a Sasquatch print. Amen. <laughs> We're on orders from our heavenly country. Now, notice in our text verse that Paul says after, after he states he's in bonds, he then says that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so this is the work of the ambassador. We already saw in verse 19 that Paul's prayer request was that he might open his mouth boldly. And now he says again that therein I may speak boldly. Just as a reminder, that word boldly means to be outspoken. To be confident in what we're saying. Bold in speech. What's interesting is this word in verse 20 for boldly is a different word for the for boldly in verse 19. This word is not only being bold in speech, but it's also being bold in demeanor as well. And so as ambassadors in Christ, listen, we're not only to speak like representatives of our Lord, but we're to carry ourselves like ambassadors of our Lord. Amen. Amen. We are not incognito Christians where we adopt the culture of the foreign country that we're serving in. Eat their food all you want, amen? Adam Jones, I, I know, brother. Look, if Adam ever asks you to come out for lunch, just mark it down, you're going somewhere weird. Yeah. Our words and our actions represent our sovereign. So what is the message Paul has been given by his king to speak in a foreign land? Well, we already saw it at the end of verse 19. He wants to effectively communicate the mysteries of the gospel. He's to make the message of his king known by being bold. Remember, in short, we would define the mystery of the gospel this way. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is that what he says? It's Christ in you. That's what we are to be preaching. We are to be preaching the message that Christ wants to save. And listen, we have no other message worth proclaiming. That's, that's all that we really have worth hearing. We aren't here to get caught up in political debates. I love politics. And listen, it's going to be hard to preach November the 4th because I'm going to be up all night November the 3rd. That's just the way I do things. But we're not to get caught up in all this to the point that we lose sight of what it is we're here to do. And you can pick whatever subject's going to cause you to deviate from the main message. We don't represent a, prime, a political party, but first and foremost, we represent Christ. Amen. And it's the message of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ that's important to the lost world to hear while we are assigned here. Here's just a couple of quick hits. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Now what's the message? He said, we're ambassadors. He says, be ye reconciled to God. How does that happen? For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then 1 Timothy 3.16, 
And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached on, uh, unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. This is our message as ambassadors. Don't get caught up in all the other stuff when you're dealing with the lost. They're not going to understand all those questions they're going to want to ask you. Well, do you think so-and-so is born this way? Answer it quick, move on. Amen. Because we want to give them the message. What's the message? That Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might be reconciled to God. And that, who is Christ? It was God manifested in the flesh. And we need to stay on message. We just need to stay with the message. We're ambassadors. We're not, we're not coming up with our own message. We're just following what the Word of God says. And just as an earthly ambassador has to sit across and boldly speak to political leaders in another country representing their president in a foreign land, so we need to be able to sit across from the lost and boldly proclaim the message of Christ in a foreign land. Say, oh, I'd be afraid. I know that feeling. And listen, I, probably all of us were afraid the first time we ever told somebody about Christ. Well, maybe not the very first. I remember after I first got saved, I was so excited, it didn't matter. But you know, after your salvation wears off, mm, then all of a sudden it's like, I don't know. Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart. God told Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces. He went on to say to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.17, Thou therefore gird up thy loins... And arise and speak unto them all that I commanded thee. Be not dismayed at their faces. Don't be afraid of the lost. Don't be afraid. Listen, the Lord will give you strength. The Holy Spirit will, will help you. You just have to be faithful. God sent Moses and Aaron as His ambassadors. In Exodus 7-2 it says, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. Did you hear that? Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. And then he says, And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. God commanded the message. All they had to do was go before the leader and give the message. That's all we're doing. Isn't that wonderful? It means it's not your opinion. It means they're not really mad at you. They're mad at God. We could list plenty of examples of how God's children have been his ambassadors, every one of the prophets who are ambassadors for God. And all of God's children are supposed to be His ambassadors. But oftentimes people are just too afraid to speak up. Could you imagine being an ambassador in a foreign land and the president said, well, how did the meeting go? Well, I was a little scared. But oftentimes we're just too afraid. We have to speak boldly, meaning we must be confident. And we must effectively communicate the message of the gospel. God's going to give you strength if you go in Jesus' name. My dad always tells me, because I'm always like, hey, you got to pray for me. This message is going to be a flop. Oh, the Lord's not going to let you embarrass him. Dad, you don't know me that well. <laughs> but you know what? There is some truth to that, right? If, if we're right with God, and we're going in Jesus' name. Listen, the Holy Spirit's going to work through us. 
There have been times that I have witnessed to people where I kid you not, I don't know that I could have quoted that verse offhand beforehand. And yet it just kind of comes back to you. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through you, using you, bringing up to your memory the things that maybe you learned years ago you kind of forgot. And you find yourself quoting these passages. I remember one time I was witnessing somebody, somebody said, I didn't know you knew that much of the Bible. I said, I didn't know I knew that much either. <laughs> That's the truth. I was like, man, that was good. Did anybody record that? <laughs> but I tell you this, over time, for the most part, it gets easier and easier as you do it. It just gets easier to share the message the more you share the message. It's kind of like the best way to, you know, run a marathon is you start running. It just gets easier and easier. Now, a marathon's out of my league no matter what. Amen. But you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's the, the repetition of doing it, and it's, we just learn. It just becomes easier to do it. And so a lot of people who are afraid, it's because you don't ever do it. Amen. I'm not being ugly. That's just the truth. And so we just have to admit that, and we have to try to get better and better over time because it does get easier as you share the gospel. And look at what Paul says at the end of verse 20. He says that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. This is what he must do. He says this is as I ought to speak. I have to do this because I'm an ambassador. This is how I ought to speak. Pray for me that I can do this. He knew it was his duty to speak the gospel boldly as an ambassador. The companion passage, if you want to call it that, is found in Colossians 4, 2-4, and it says there, continue in prayer... And watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. There's a way an ambassador ought to speak. We're just making the will of our King known. Say, what's that? Well, the Bible says He's not willing that any should perish. And if he's not willing for that, it must be his will for all to be saved. And so we have to go out there and we have to give them the gospel. We have to show them the way of salvation. Which means this, are you, are you ready? We take the message to every person. Finally tonight, as ambassadors of Christ, we will give an account one day of our service to our King. That's what ambassadors do. The Bible says in Matthew 18.23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants, his bond slaves. There's a day coming when we'll stand before our sovereign king and we'll give an answer for how we presented his word, how we represented him in the foreign land in which we've been called to serve. We're going to give an account. And I hope you will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Did you catch that? Thou good and faithful servant. Good and faithful bond slave. Are you a servant of Christ? Are you an ambassador of Christ? Before you're going to be an ambassador, you're going to have to know you're a servant. And then as ambassadors, are you speaking the right things? Are you acting the right way? Are you mindful of who you represent? It's one thing my dad made sure of when I left the house. You represent me. You're a Brooks. Act like it. Looks like my son might be working here soon. I told him today after his interview, I said, Luke, 
you better remember you represent your dad, this church, and your God. Amen. Are you mindful of who you represent tonight? Are you speaking as you ought to speak? Because we will all give an account. Let's pray.